This morning, uh, with our uh, message portion, we ha- kind of have two introductions. So the first introduction uh, is, is this, uh, to all the parents with children watching. You know, uh, when I, I've chatted with some of you and, you know, and I thought about, you know, what it's like to be doing church at home. Like, I'm not there. I'm actually always in this building. And so uh, what I imagined my family to be doing when, I, when I'm here speaking, what I imagine it looks like at home, this is what I imagined it would look like. Check out this. I think that, that we can go with stronger marriages, stronger friendships, stronger relationships, stronger personal relationships with God as a result of something that ultimately was negative. And then... A couple of weeks ago, my daughter uh, sent me a video of saying, hey, dad, this is what's actually happening during church. And here's, uh, here's what it looks like. Yo, do it. Yeah. Yes. Put it on there. The quarantine is going to make it. Yeah, 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 so a few other parents with children have mentioned to me that it's kind of difficult to, to really get anything out of the messages. We're there, but our kids are crawling all over us and... It's uh, it's difficult, but at least we're there. At least we're we're doing church together. And it reminded me of a of a scene from the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it was Dead Man's Chest. It was one of the old ones, but uh, where there's two pirates sitting in a in a rowboat together, and the one's holding a Bible. It's upside down, and he's he's pretending or trying to read it. And the other pirate says to him, "He's like, you know, you can't read, right?" And he looks back at him and replies, "Well, it's the Bible. You get credit for trying." And we might think, you know, you get credit for trying or get credit for like, well, we endured the service. But can I just say to the parents this morning that um, the brother of Jesus, his name was James. He wrote and said to uh, the Jesus father, he says, you need to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. He's like, you don't get credit just for hearing. He says, you get credit for doing. But I want to take that one step further. It's hard to do anything if you can't actually hear anything. And so my encouragement to you as, as, as we do these um, gatherings together with kids and everything else, maybe this morning, if you're like, if the kids are rambunctious or, or whatever, why don't you sit down with them and just maybe join the coloring contest with them? Maybe you'll pick up a few things from the service, but then later on, these are always posted online. Would you find a time later online, maybe after the kids have gone to bed and sit down and just prepare your heart and just allow the message to speak to you? We believe that as you hear it and as you're doers of it, it will affect your life and you'll be stronger as a result. You know, the kids packages that have been going out over the last number of weeks, they've been learning about the fruit of the Spirit, and we want to take a look at that this morning together. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, and maybe you've heard these verses many times before. It simply says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Uh, against such there is no law. And, and this morning, we want to focus on that, that last one, the, the self-control. And I don't know about you, but self-control is not always easy. You know, and, you, and so we decided, we, we saw it last week, actually, friends of ours at the, um, the Springvale Brethren in Christ Church, my niece did this thing with the kids there. We thought, what a great idea. What a great illustration. So we did the same thing. We, we actually asked a number of parents in our church to set up a camera, put something delicious in front of their child, and then tell them, hey, don't touch it, and then leave the room, and then just see whatever was captured on video and send it to us. Well, we wanted to let you know uh, what they captured, and uh, here's how it turned out. Look what I have. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Okay, I have to tell you something. I'm going to let you have this candy, but you have to wait till I come back, okay? Okay. So you have to sit on the chair and wait 
until I get back, okay? Okay. Don't touch it. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay? Wait, don't touch it at all or no, no, no. Wait until I come back to eat your chocolate chips. I'll be right back. Don't touch that yet. Can't eat it. Mommy's gonna go for a second, okay? Yeah. But don't touch it until I come back, okay? Don't eat the donut, Dorothy. Don't eat it. It. Thank you, parents, for participating in that. Thanks for sending that along. Self-control, it's not, it's not easy. And so for today's kids lesson, uh, I want you to check out this video. Adults, listen in because there's something in there for us as well. All right, families. Well, let's talk about self-control for just a minute. You know, the Bible says that all of us are supposed to have self-control. Self-control just means being in charge of your emotions, thoughts, words, and actions. It means doing what God wants us to do rather than what we want to do. It means responding to people the way God wants us to respond to people. Now, it's not always easy to have self-control. Think about some of these situations. What would you do if someone had just taken your favorite toy from you? Maybe someone's just called you a mean name and hurt your feelings and now they're laughing at you. Maybe you just received some discipline from one of your parents and now a brother or sister is smiling behind mom's back. Would it be easy or would it be hard to be self-controlled in those situations? 
The truth is, sometimes it's hard for us to be in charge of our emotions or our reactions, especially when we're facing a challenging situation. But there is something we can do in that moment to exercise self-control. In the Old Testament in the Bible, there's a great story of a man who was able to exercise self-control. His name was Joseph, and he faced a lot of challenging situations. His brothers sold him into slavery. While he was there, he spent time in prison. He was accused of crimes that he didn't commit. And then finally, towards the end of his life, when he was in charge and when he had lots of power, he had an opportunity to get revenge on those who had hurt him. And still, he exercised self-control. And here's why. Over and over throughout the story of Joseph, the Bible tells us that God was with Joseph. Joseph was able to have self-control because God was with him, even in those difficult situations. The same is true for us. So the next time that you're in a situation where you feel like you might lose control of your words or your reaction, just remember, God is with you. Ephesians 1.13 says, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit who He promised long ago. What that means is that when we trust Jesus, the Bible says that He sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And one of the things that God's Spirit does is help us to maintain self-control. In fact, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that God does in us. Those are things that God helps us to do. So when you're facing a challenging situation, remember, God is with you. Take a minute now and have a great conversation about self-control. Use these questions as a way to start your conversation. Maybe that's something you want to do right now, parents, as you sit down and chat with your kids or come back to those questions later on, asking them, hey, what's, uh, when do you find it the most difficult to exercise self-control or what do you think you can do to, to help uh, to help in the next time you face those things? Uh, just a quick note from our tech team as well regarding the coloring contest. Because it's a contest, you can't send in pictures with your kids holding the picture because we don't want to know who colored what. So if there's a name on it or if they're holding the picture, we can't use it. So if you can, just take a picture of the of the coloring contest photo. You can do, still do that and resend it in. Uh, that way we'll be able to post that for our judges so they'll only see the picture and be able to uh, choose a winner as a result. So blow up Chris's phone. Let's do it. Uh, and while we're doing that, why don't we jump into today's lesson for the, uh, for the adults today? Uh, because there's um, this idea that we've been talking about for the last number of weeks is that we really believe that you can become stronger as a result of quarantine, that at the end of COVID-19 or whenever we get to whatever normal is going to be, it's not going to be normal, but a new normal, uh, that you might actually be stronger in your relationship, stronger as an individual, stronger in your relationship with Christ. Uh, Andy Stanley came out with a series it just uh, uh, last week called Better For It. And if you have a chance, I encourage you to listen to, uh, listen to the series, at least, well, the first one, at least I know the first one's good. Uh, but that idea that we would be uh, better for it after, after this time. And one of the things we wanted to talk about was this topic of self-control. Because I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like life's uh, out of control sometimes? Maybe it's out of your control Maybe there's parts of life that seem like they're out of control. And maybe you're like, eh, maybe it's too close to home. But don't we all know other people that we look at and go, man, they they have areas of their life that are just like out of control. 
Maybe you've seen somebody at the uh, grocery store where they weren't able to return that bag of flour. They weren't able to purchase and they just got so upset and they just slammed it down. A full-grown adult just having a hissy fit as they walked out, lost control in that moment. Maybe, you know, you know somebody who's had a few too many to drink and then you realize, oh man, yeah, they have like, they've lost control. The thing's coming out of their mouth and whatever else. You're like, oh, they, they, they've kind of lost control. Or maybe you've seen a red stuff online where people on Facebook have been just posting their rants and you're like, yeah, they probably would have wanted that back. But in that moment, they, they lost that self-control to say, you know what, I'm not going to type this. And they just let, let the online world have it. Or maybe you've seen people driving, you're like, they're distracted all over the road. And you're like, oh, they've lost control. Uh, I was on a back road the other day, like nothing on the road. It's so quiet and pristine. And there's a, the tracks, as I saw this truck, it just driven, just parked itself in the ditch. And you're like, ah, somebody lost control in that moment. And we, we see that. Well, the, the truth is that a lack of self-control, self-control, lack of that in our lives often leads to a, to a, a, a life that's out of control. And a life out of control is not one that we would all want. I think we all face situations in our life, if we're honest, that we could probably have used a little more self-control or we will face situations where we could probably could use a little more. And so today I want to take a look at Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25 verse 28 is written by a man named Solomon. Solomon was known to be the wisest man of his generation and his wisdom is still, because it's recorded in written form, it still holds true today. Today's little portion isn't something we would maybe think about in in our cultural context because we don't have cities, but, but the idea is still the same when you think about it. Here's what Solomon said. He says, a person, a person without self control is like a city with broken down walls. He compared it to his day saying, hey, a person is uh, without self-control. It's like a city with broken down walls. It's that idea of a life. A life without self-control is actually a life that's not safe. It's a life that's not secure. It's a life that's not prosperous. That's what the city walls did for cities back then in towns. There was a sense of security and safety that, you know, the enemy, whenever the enemy came, they would be ready for him. And I think that's the challenge for us today is that we would be ready when the enemy comes knocking on our doors. And there's lots of accounts in the Bible, lots of stories, lots of uh, things in the, in the Bible about uh, self-control or the lack of it. You know, there's a man named Joseph. We just heard in the kid's story about Joseph. He's a great example of self-control. We don't actually have time to go through his whole story today, but you can read it. It's in Genesis chapter uh, 37 all the way to chapter 50. Uh, first book of the Bible. It's right at the beginning. Uh, well worth, uh, well worth reading. But the story of Joseph, there's a few little snippets, you know. He had, he had a gift. He had the ability to be able to, um, interpret dreams. And he was the, he was like the 11th child out of 12 brothers. And his brothers picked on him mercilessly. And he had, he had opportunities to get back at them. But he uh, exercised self-control in those areas. There was other things where, you know, he, um, he ended up, his brothers sold him. I mean, maybe you think your brothers are mean to you, but Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And he was actually purchased by a pretty important man named Potiphar. And uh, Potiphar had a pretty um, beautiful wife who thought Joseph was pretty hot. And so it says that for days... As she noticed Joseph, she'd go to Joseph and be like, Joseph, come on, come sleep with me. Joseph, come sleep with me. And she would beg him, come sleep with me. And his response was always, I'm not tired. And he decided he would exercise self-control instead. And as a result, you'd think that it would go right for him. But in this instance, in that moment of the journey, it didn't go right. He ended up in jail. He was falsely accused and he ends up in prison. 
And in prison, he continues to live out this life of integrity. And, and it ends up bringing him to the place at the end where he becomes the second most powerful man in the world at that time. He, uh, he was second um, in command in the nation of Egypt, which was the most powerful empire at that time. And as a result of being in there, all of a sudden, because he's there, he, he comes to a day where his brothers, the ones who picked on him, the ones who made his, his teenage life miserable, the ones who sold him, they ended up showing up, looking for food. They were, they're, 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 they were going through a famine and were starving. And Joseph was the one who had the food. And they, they got there. They didn't recognize him. And Joseph had them in the palm of his hand. He, he, he had all the authority to say, you know what? Just cut their heads off. I don't, these, these people are dead to me. And yet Joseph used incredible self-control in that moment as well. And you see that he instead used his um, his position to be a benefit and blessing to other people. The, the, the power of using self-control for good. You know, then there's other stories. The story of Samson. Samson was a great example of what happens when you don't use self-control. Time after time after time, he had a gift as well, just endowed with great strength. And uh, God wanted to use him to be, to be a blessing to his nation. But so many times it was self-control, that, the lack of it, that, that, that forfeited that in his life. You know, he was tempted to break a promise he'd made to God that he wouldn't touch any dead things. And, and then he was tempted to eat honey out of a dead animal. He's like, yep, I'll do that. You know, uh, he was tempted by a different kind of honey later on in his life. She lived a few, uh, few towns over and she was like, hey, Joseph, come sleep with me. And we're, I mean, hey, Samson, come sleep with me. And where, where Joseph left, Samson was like, I'll swipe right on that. And, you know, again, fail and losing times. You know, when he was tempted to lie, when he was in, in these difficult, uh, being asked difficult questions, here he finds himself uh, deciding, yeah, it's easier, you know, to, to, to lie than exercise the self-control. And he finds himself at the end of his life, he finds himself alone, you know, uh, uh, empty and in a prison of his, uh, a prisoner of his enemies. And like, nobody wants to end up like that. Nobody wants lives to end up like that. We find the story of Jesus. You know, when we say we aspire to be like Jesus, where, where he's in the desert and being tempted and he uses self-control every time. And finally, the enemy just gives up on, on attacking him in that moment. We're like, man, I want to be like that. But to be honest, most of us aren't quite like that. Maybe we find ourselves more like David, who Gary talked about last week. And thanks, Gary, for uh, speaking last week. I really, really appreciated what you had to share. And the story of David, though, we see that David exercised self-control in some, some areas and he did, did phenomenal things. And then in others, others, he's totally lost self-control and had epic fails. And I think sometimes maybe we find ourselves in those places because to be honest, you know, we can look through the Bible for all kinds of stories. But I think if we just look back in our own history, we probably have enough stories of our own stories that speak directly to us because we're in the story. Things that maybe, you know, where we could have exercised self-control and, and didn't. You know, maybe for you, it's food. Maybe you're, say, dieting and say maybe it's for weight or you're like, I don't want to eat sugar. And it's like those moments where you're tempted. It's like, oh, you know, self-control, ah, maybe just this once. I know for myself, a, a number of months ago, diagnosed with a gallstone. I'm like, hey, you know, don't eat the certain types of food. And then, you know, it's like family night. It's like we're having pizza and ice cream and, and then chips. It's like, oh, got to have, oh, got to have. And then that night, you're just like, oh, you know, wandering around the basement in pain going, why, why, why did I? not exercise self-control. You know, maybe for you, it's money. And for many, it is actually. In this time uh, right now, COVID-19 has revealed a lot of things. And for some, it's revealed that your bank account, that what you had saved up wasn't enough. That when you hit times like this, you, you used to think, man, I wish that I had bought more, spent, I wish I had had more stuff or bought more stuff. That's kind of always been the, the uh, driving force. 
And yet now as you sit here and think, man, I wish that I had saved more money. And we have people, you know, signed up for our course and we hope to be able to still run our financial peace course at some, at some point. That idea that, that we would use self-control so that we don't end up in a financial hole. Because truth be told, I know we don't like to think about it, but it's not COVID-19's fault and it's not our boss's fault. And it's not our job's fault. I mean, they all play a little part. But there's another part that we play as well. And if we're honest, we, 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 we would find ourselves in a financial hole sometimes because it's a lack of self-control. And we didn't exercise self-control then. And, and this is where we end up now. See, because it, it plays a big role in our lives. Maybe for you, it's anger. You know, you have those things, oh, I just want to punch someone. And, and, and then you do. <laughs> and afterwards, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I remember one time way back in the day, I had a friend of mine, his name's Brandon. He, uh, he, he was a, a bodybuilder, he'd work out, and uh, he could bench press me, actually. He's done it many times. And uh, back uh, years and years ago when I was youth pastoring, we were out on this trip, and uh, on a missions trip, and it, it, he was, we were, whatever, chasing each other around with water guns, and it kind of got out of hand, and then he picked me up, and he spun me around until I was almost sick, and, and then he finally put me down, and then he's right there, and I was like, I was so angry just in front of my whole youth group. I just hauled back my fist, and I swung at him, but kind of being dizzy and whatever else, by the time I hit him, it was more like a, it's like a little slap across the face, and then I saw him, and I saw his eyes just go like wide open and red, like couldn't believe it. Then I saw the fist clench and the 25 inch biceps just getting like massive. And I'm like, Oh no, man, I, I, I should not have done that. And he hauled back and turned around and just punched a steel door instead. And I was like, this mug, this could have looked a lot differently as a result. Why? Because we don't always think about in the moment what the, the the fruit of a self-control or a lack thereof is going to be, but we need to. You know, maybe for you, it's screen time. And maybe you have kids like mine who are like, they only get a certain amount of time. And maybe that's you and your parents are like, you can only have an hour of screen time. And at the end, you're just like, you're just finding ways. You know, you're, you're like, you're just sneaking up to, 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 you know, to your room with your screen to try and find a little bit of extra time. Maybe you're an adult and have that thing. You know, Netflix, the auto plays the next episode. You're like, you know, it's midnight. But like, oh, just, just one more. You know, and you find yourself overtired. I, okay, that's me in the office. Just to be fair. And Chris too. Okay. We got an amen. <laughs> Maybe for you, it's the same, but you know, it's like afterwards the next morning, like, Oh, you know, trying to get up. It's like, well, I should have, why, you know, or, or maybe for you, it's gossip. Like there's so many things where it's like, you just, you feel like, man, I just want to say all the mean stuff I know about that person because oh, they seem like they're so hoity toity good. And it's like, but I know, and here I'm going to tell you. And then you think you're going to feel better. And in the end you don't. Or maybe for each in your relationships and, you know, it's trying to keep that kind of that physical purity or just uh, that, that realization of like, man, my girlfriend or my boyfriend, we, we just we go further than I had planned. You're like, man, we want to have self-control and you just can't seem to can't seem to have that. Or maybe, you know, for you, it's like, you know, you're married, but you, you've been flirting with this girl from work. And now that you're home and it's kind of online, it's just been easier to even hide it. Now no one else knows, but but you're flirting. And it's like there's, there's like oh, I, but the self-control is kind of lacking. You know, that's the, the idea of when there's a lack of self-control, it can lead to a life that's out of control. And if you've ever familiar with addictions or an addict, you know this to be true. That addiction is, is that in a nutshell. What started out as like just a little bit lack of self-control eventually becomes your master. Whether that's alcohol, smoking, stuff you see on the internet, maybe it's coffee, sugar, whatever it may be for you. But that addiction that, that becomes power over you as a result of this lack of self-control. You know, what can we do today? 
That's the question. What do we do now so we don't have to feel like that later? And this, it's this thing of self-control. The New Testament actually talks about um, three things. It gives us warnings, it gives us encouragements, and it also gives us teaching about self-control. And I want to quickly look at those this morning. The warning, the warnings, one of them's from Peter. Peter, the, the guy who walked around with Jesus, Jesus' buddy. Peter, when he wrote to the Jesus followers, um, the new Jesus followers, he wrote to them and said this in 1 Peter 5, 8, he's like, stay alert, which actually is also translated, be self-controlled, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here's Peter saying, be self-controlled. And what the definition of it, it, it's this, it's the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites or her. It's that idea, it's that idea of, of mastering it rather than it mastering you. And he's like, you know what? Be self-controlled. Why? Because your enemy, <laughs> your enemy's trying to destroy your life and that he never gives up. He's going to keep on coming around your, your walls to see, is there a break in the wall? Is there a break in the wall? Is there a chance to get in? He surrounds the walls. And maybe for you, you know, the enemy hasn't been attacking you and you're like, ah, life, life's good, but the walls are torn down. And you don't realize it until you get to that place and realize, oh, there's no self-control and he wanders right on in. That's, you know, that's, that's the same thing that, that Paul, um, Peter is talking about. And Paul, Paul wrote encouragements to, to others. There was a young guy named Titus. Titus, Titus was a pastor, a young pastor of a church that him and Paul had started. And Paul was actually in prison and writing a letter to Titus. He said, hey, Titus, can you tell the Jesus followers a few things for me? I want you to encourage them with some things. He says to the old men in the, in, in the, in the Jesus um, followers gathering, to those men, he says, tell them be sensible, which is be self-controlled. He says to the, to the elder women, he, another, a number of other things as well, but to be self-controlled, to the young women, be self-controlled. And then to the young men, he changes the word. It's this much more powerful thought. And he, he writes to them in this, Titus 2, verse 6. He says, you know, and to likewise to the younger men, to the younger men, be sober-minded. It's this, again, this element or this thought of be self-controlled. And maybe if he said it today, be like, Titus, hey, Titus, tell the young men. And young men, if you're listening today, he's like, tell them, you self-control and you know what I'm talking about. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And maybe as we look at it, we look and say, well, we don't know exactly what Paul was referencing in this, hey, be self-controlled. But if you're listening this morning or watching and something all of a sudden jumped in your mind when you heard me say, you know exactly what I'm talking about, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, then I would imagine that's Holy Spirit speaking to you about what he wants to do in your heart and your mind. Young men live lives of self-control. And we live in a culture that throws self-control to the wind. But he's saying, as Jesus followers, man, this is the encouragement, live with self-control. And I love what he says to Titus because he says to Titus, actually exhort them, encourage them, which simply means come alongside them. Titus, walk along with them in this area of self-control. Help them, help these young men walk lives of self-control. You know, if you watch the kids video, did you see where the older sisters jumped in to help, <laughs> to help stop their siblings? You know, the one grabs the cupcake and she's like, no, or no, no, mom, you know, Nora wants to eat her, her chocolate right now. Do you know there's a real powerful truth in that? is that when you bring other people alongside you in the journey, like with accountability or with groups, there's something powerful about that. We were designed to do life as one another's with one another to help each other through these journeys. And so maybe for you, maybe you're struggling with something and you're like, man, there's just this lack of self-control and nobody seems to know. Would you send me an email? Maybe afterwards, just, just type up an email, hey, Mark, uh, to mark at kingswaychurch.ca and just simply say, Mark, I'm struggling with this because I would love to come alongside you. 
in a sense, to walk together through this, that you might exhibit and might be able to, to live with self-control. And for a lot of us, you know, we think, oh, that's sweet. Someone else is going to help me means someone else is going to do it for me. But that's partly true, but it's not the full truth. And here's the, here's the truth of this morning. The teaching uh, that Paul and the New Testament writers and Peter and a number of them had when it came to this idea of self-control was this. Paul wrote to the Galatians and we read it earlier, but I want you to notice something. Galatians 5, it says, but this, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such, there's no law. Peter wrote this to the Jesus followers in, second, in his second letter, 2 Peter 1 verse 5, he says, in view of all this and the fact that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And he says to this, supplement your faith, add to your faith a generous provision of moral excellence and to moral excellence, add knowledge and to knowledge, add self-control and to self-control, add patient endurance, patient endurance, add godliness and godliness, add brotherly affection and to brotherly affection, add love for everyone. That idea of add to your faith. See the early Jesus followers actually reveal something very important for us who want more self-control. And the idea is that, that um, those who want the walls of our life to protect us like a walled city, uh, if you see this walled city, for instance, this is Carcassonne in France. Also, you know, for many of you play the board game, this walled city that was meant to, pro- to be protected. You see the double walls in the, in the city here. The message that, that the New Testament writers were like, this, this is what your life should be like, is that it's, it's walled by things like self-control. And the message of building those walls isn't, hey, try harder, or hey, just have some self-control, or just, just do it. If you don't have self-control, just, just be self-controlled. It's bigger than that. And to the Jesus followers, it's this, because yeah, you can try and have self-control, but to the Jesus followers, the message is, is bigger than that. As you see what, what, um, what, what uh, Paul wrote to the Galatians, he wrote, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in us. The Holy Spirit produces it in us. And to Peter, he wrote, and to your faith, add self-control. He, he realizes that faith is first, that there's this trust in God first and that through that trustful relationship with God, he's gonna do stuff in your life. It's not about behavior modification. That's not the message this morning. And it's definitely not the message we should be sharing with our children. When you teach your kids about this, don't tell them, hey, you just gotta be more self-controlled because Jesus said, you know, God's looking at you with a big stick. If you mess up, he's gonna hit you with something. That's, that's not what it is because self-control, when we try and just do it in our own strength, it, it's, it doesn't happen. We, we, you know that, we find that, that so, for so often we just re- end up returning to what we thought we came out of. You know, this uh, yesterday, my, my dog thought it was a good idea on a hot day to roll in a manure pile and she's got long hair and it was just disgusting. And the kids are like, oh, dad, the dog's just and we're like, all right, give her a bath. And so recent uh, Lincoln finally convinced Reba to get into the tub outside and they washed her down and she was like sparkling clean, smelled beautiful. They, they, she got out, she's still wet. Where does she go? Straight to the mulch pile and rolls around in that till she comes out dirtier than when she was in the, in the manure pile first. Why? Because she's still a dog. The nature didn't change. 
The nature was still the same. And see, what we need is not an external change, not external things of, hey, let's just wash that stuff off. We need that internal transformation, allowing Holy Spirit. And so Paul wrote to the Galatians. He says, it's not about keeping the rules and rituals uh, of religion. He says, it's about the relationship with God. He wrote it earlier in Galatians 5, verse 6. He says, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, when we trust him, and trust means relationship, you, that you have a relationship with someone you trust. He says, when we, we trust Christ in relationship, there's no benefit in being circumcised circumcised or uncircumcised. What he's talking about is that there's no benefit in following all the rules and rituals of a religion. He's like, the benefit is that you would live out, that you would live out your faith, expressing it through love. That it, the most important thing is that relationship, that trust relationship with God. Paul said it, Peter said it, it's throughout there, but Jesus said it too. In closing, he said to his disciples, <laughs> he said to them as they were, you know, right before Jesus went to the cross, he's explaining to them what life with him was like. And he says, it's like a vine and branches. Branches stay connected to a vine in order to bear fruit. And he said the same thing. He says, he says I want you guys to like abide in me. Spend that time with me. Let my teaching live in you. And he says, if you'll do those two things, he says, you'll bear fruit. Don't go around trying to be more patient, be more kind, to try and have more self-control. You can't but there's a better way. And it was simply to say, God, I need, I need you. God, look in my heart. Today, maybe self-control or the lack of it's been revealed as you've been listening to his word. It's him digging in there, shining the light in those corners of your heart and saying, let me, let me in there. And as he does, as he does, he begins to, to root those things out in our lives. He begins to produce the fruit of self-control because the truth is what we focus on, we make bigger. And maybe this morning, as you think of things like, oh, I'm lacking sort of self-control in that area. <laughs> the more you focus on that, the more difficult it becomes. So maybe for you, just fill in the blank. You know, maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to think about food or I'm not going to think about screen time or alcohol or smoking or the friends with benefits or, or, or the revenge or the anger or the coffee or the sugar or whatever the blank is for you. You focus on that. You actually just make it bigger. Jesus is simply telling and calling you saying, listen, would you, would you turn your focus on me? Allow me in there. Allow me to reveal, allow me to lead you by my spirit because it's those who are led by the spirit, those who walk in the spirit. They're the ones who bear the fruit. They're the ones who he produces the fruit, the fruit of self-control that we so need in order to be a life that's stronger, a life that's protected, a life that's worth living. And for you this morning, if you're not a Jesus follower, he simply said to us, he says, if you try and hold on to your life, you'll lose it. And we all will, whether it's COVID-19 that takes us out or a car accident or just old age, none of us is getting out of this thing alive. And Jesus simply said, but if you'll deny self, if you'll, if you'll come follow me, if you'll instead follow me, he says, you'll actually find life worth living. And, that, and that's the truth because really the first step to self-control is to relinquish control, to hand control over to someone else. And that someone is him. I think about it like a remote control for like a drone or something. It's like you're putting the control of your life in his hands. And this morning, as we sing this song to end called King of Kings, we just speak the truth that he is the king of all kings. There is no one like him. But more importantly than that is that we could sing with honesty that you are my king. You are the king of my heart. God, would you rule and reign here? Would you lead me with, with your word and with your voice? And I will follow. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that it's alive, it's powerful, it grips us today. You're doing in us what you need to. Thank you for that. God, thank you for where we got it wrong. You made it right in Jesus, that you've forgiven us and that we walk in that. There's no guilt and no shame, no condemnation. (laughs) Thank you for that. And God, thank you for allowing us to walk differently as we walk with you. 
Would you lead us today? Would you lead us this week? That we uh, may bring glory to you and experience your goodness in our lives. It's in your name I pray, amen.